Hi, welcome to the Guys From Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith. Today we have no question because it's time for our bi-monthly What We're Up To podcast. So nobody's requested this other than the first time somebody requested this a hell of a long time ago. Yeah. And so we just like doing this and every every couple months we go, okay, let's inform everybody what we're doing. Well, and it also does cut down because after the first time we did it, we did start getting questions where it's just like, oh, like, what are you, what are you guys playing? Or mm-hmm. what's the, I post stuff on at Zillasuit on Instagram when I'm watching a like a horror movie or something. Sure. But this allows us just to knock that out of the way. That yeah. way we don't end up answering. It's like, hey Dave, you, what movies did you see this last week? Yeah, exactly. It kind of just it, it consolidates all those questions, so we can have we can focus more on the other random stuff that everybody asks us about. Yeah, yeah, if if we had to talk about the stuff we were doing every week, we would never get to talk about Disney princesses and their awesomeness or sandwiches, it's true. right? So, yeah. like, people need to hear us talk about sandwiches mm-hmm. clearly. It's been asked for, and we keep alluding to the fact that we're going to do it. So we're getting there. I think we said probably November. Probably November, yep. Because theoretically, provided you and I or Jeremy don't get sick, the rest of this month should be Halloween-related things. Yes. That's all theoretical. Nobody yeah. nobody hold us accountable on that because <laughs> you never know what happens. Like, Sean could lose his voice, and if that's the case, then we run a couple backups and maybe even still I have to do one on my own like that it's you never know right or you have to remote podcast with Jeremy sure yep we could do that right <laughs> we both send it to you to edit uh. <laughs> I hate you both <laughs> that sounds awful for everybody involved why did you talk for four hours <laughs> You literally just read the dictionary for four hours. Uh-huh. Somebody asked, who? <laughs> I get the questions. Um, Scout? Dance Scout Scout. asked me. She, she direct <laughs> messaged me on Twitter. <laughs> so, hey, Sean. Hey, what? You want to talk about things that we're playing? Sure. Okay. That's a good place to start. I thought so. And you guys, this is a big day for me. I actually had to cull... The amount of things that I'm playing in order to fit it with our new constraints. See, that's... Oh, yeah, we should mention that. Right? I just thought uh, about that. We, after the guys, or what we're up to part seven, the guys take Manhattan, but not really. The last time we did this, and it yeah. ran for two hours and could have easily ran for another hour. Mm-hmm. We decided that we would only talk about 16 things yeah. each. Now, that's usually going to mean something like we'll do four playing, four listening, four reading, four watching, but it also gives us the flexibility if we're both reading bigger things Mm -hmm. or we're not listening to a whole bunch of stuff that we haven't already talked about, we can flex things into the category that we could always talk more about, which is obviously watching. Yeah. But I had more than four things to talk about playing, so I'm pretty excited, you guys. That's See, that's pretty fantastic. Uh-huh. Well, because you're so excited, Dave, yeah. what is the first thing you wish to talk about that you have been playing in the last two months? I'm going to talk about Battlefield 4. Okay. Uh, full disclosure, I've never played Battlefield 1, 2, or 3. 
But Fair. when you go to EB Games or wherever you can go that has discount games and you look for a first-person shooter and there's a first-person shooter and it's the fourth in a series, you go, okay, I'll buy that. Basically, it's um, like Black Ops type guys who are going in and trying to... trying to. They're basically just doing a bunch of covert missions. Right. Um, I think they're at the beginning they're they're just kind of in a, on a battlefield, but then there's other ones where they're they're kind of they're busting into a, a high rise in China, and there's another one where they're um, they're trying to rescue somebody from a from a ocean liner. So there's a bunch of different situations that they that you put that they are put into. Dope. Um, you play the same person every time, but there's three or four characters depending on where you are in the story that. Are that are part of your team. So I'm not the only guy shooting all the bad guys. There's other guys who are helping me. Okay. It's it's really fun. I really enjoyed it, and I actually plowed through it. I don't know how many hours of game time I had because I think I had to um, be hooked up to Xbox Live in order to, in order to figure that out. Right. And I didn't feel like signing up for an Xbox Live account just for that. <laughs> That's but fair. I would say I would say I put ten to twelve hours in on it. Okay, sure. That's a good um, the, amount. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The levels are very big. Like, there's there's a lot of time that goes into it. And this wasn't a game where I could play very... Like, if I had somewhere to go in 20 minutes, I couldn't I couldn't play a level and be done. So sure. I had to budget my time appropriately. Michael Kenneth Williams is one of the voices in the, in the game. Oh, nice. Yeah. Him and one of the Lawrence brothers. Not Joey or Jonathan, but the other... Matthew? No, maybe it's Jonathan. I don't know. Joey Lawrence's younger brother was also another one of the voices. Okay. <laughs> so it was like, oh, okay, sure. But yeah, Michael Kenneth Williams was, was one of them. I thought, oh, that's pretty rad. Um, yeah, so it's it's very good, uh, very entertaining. Um, I was sad when I'm not going to get into anything in case anybody... I mean, all the games that I play are fairly old because I'm still on Xbox 360, but... True, um, yeah. At the end, you have to make a choice, and the choice is, like, it's actually, you kind of get to grow with these characters, like, oh, well, I don't know, let me, I guess I'll make this one, and the choice is, it, it hurts, it hurts having to make a choice, so, um, yeah, anyway, it's a, it's a very good game, I would highly recommend. Cool, and because you're mm-hmm. not on Xbox Live, you are also not doing any of the multiplayer stuff, which is really what Battlefield is known for, so the fact that is you that like right? the story that much, oh yeah, yeah, Battlefield is an online shooter. I feel like it's kind of the same as Call of Duty. I remember when when um, Modern Warfare came out, and and I loved the campaign. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was you know you're playing eight to ten hours of a campaign, but you, really it's just they have to kind of build in a campaign. But their bread and butter is is online stuff, and I think online competitive I, multiplayer. Yep. Yeah, and I'm guessing that's probably the same for Battlefield 4, which uh, makes sense. It's just, <laughs> I'm not on Xbox Live, and I don't care about multiplayer. I just really like the campaigns. No, that's that's totally fair. That's usually what I'm in for, too, but I will dabble a little bit in the multiplayer just because. And if I was hooked up to Xbox Live, and if I wasn't getting in on this years after it's already been released, I probably would as well, because that stuff can be fun. It's just, it's not, it's not something that I am willing or able to do at this point in my gaming career well and you have to do it at the crest of the wave exactly you have to do it when people are playing and before like i talked i think it was last it was last time when i talked about battlefield one right it might have been yeah 
Yeah, so, like I said then, plug, 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 <laughs> playing it that much later, going into the multiplayer now, everybody else is already, like, they have the elite guns. Mm-hmm. They have all of the buffs. So me starting out, and I've got the standard issue guns, and it takes me 15 shots to take somebody down, whereas most of them could one-shot me? Right. It's not, like, I either have to put the time in and suck for, like, a month playing nothing but to get to their level, or I just go, I wish I had gotten this when it first came out. Oh, well, that was fun. Now what? Time to move on to something where I don't feel the futility of playing. Right, exactly. Totally. I'm with you. Uh, Yeah, so that's my first one. Sean, how about you? How would you like me to do this? Do you want me to start weird, or do you want me to end weird? That's up to you. I'm I'm literally going chronologically. No, I'm I'm so actually from... legitimately asking you because I uh, I have. Would you? How about prefer... we end weird this week? All right, great. Uh, okay. So the first one I'm going to talk about then is Just Cause Three. Okay. It is a GTA clone essentially, okay. wherein you are playing Rico Rodriguez. A man who has returned to the island that he is from. He is a race car driver by trade. Your island is uh, Di Medici. So it's, it's essentially like a mostly Italian style, but there's a bit of Spanish in there too. Okay, yeah. Island nation, and you are overthrowing the dictator. Oh! So it's got the, all the GTA hallmarks of big open map, collectibles, stuff to do. You're carrying weapons. It doesn't, like level lock weapons or anything so almost as soon as i was playing i've settled in on an assault rifle rocket launcher uh twin like dual wielding automatic pistols set up okay um but what makes it really different and what makes Mm -hmm. it kind of special is two things one it's highly highly destructible areas So a lot of what you're doing in the game is liberating settlements and military bases from the dictator to get it into the rebels' hands. Okay. And to do this, you are often having to take down structures. Like, there's a big radar array over there. You are literally destroying it. Cool. So you have to, like, shoot out the base, and, like, it'll start toppling. And if you're in the way, it will kill you. Huh. (laughs) Stuff blows up like crazy, and you're destroying like an electrical transformer and it will blow up and it will actually the physics based explosions are really cool because it will explode and go flying and it will take out a guy who wasn't really expecting it just because the transformer has blown up and has traveled that direction just because that's the direction it ended up exploding in that's awesome the second way it's really different is traversal okay you spend you can, like, cars, planes, helicopters, all that sort of stuff is in the game. Motorcycles, boats, because it is an island, so you sure. are using boats and jet skis and that sort of thing. But you use grappling hook and parachute and wingsuit tons. Oh man. So you, like, so my Rico, last night I was playing a little bit, and... My, I was heading to take down like a guard station, basically, which was at the bottom of this mountain. So what I did was I jumped off 
and then it was a quick tap into wingsuit. Then I wingsuited around a corner, popped my parachute out, which then slowed my descent, and then started shooting and exploded a fuel tank, killing half the guys. Whoa! It's all about that sort of moment-to-moment gameplay, whereas the story, nowhere near a GTA quality. Oh, the is story's, that right? The story's rather inconsequential. Like, it, it's essentially driving you forward in the rebellion. So it's just oh, like, okay. okay, yeah, we're gonna, here's a defector, protect the defector, but you're basically doing the same thing over and over and over again. Right. So as long as it remains fun, you play it. And that's what I'm gotcha. gonna do. As long as I keep enjoying myself, and it's like, I feel like blowing stuff up and driving a boat. And then, like, jumping off of the boat, because you can literally go from driving the boat at 65 kilometers an hour, say you got a speedboat, and you mm-hmm. just gun it, and if you need to ram through something, you can pop your parachute while you're driving it to pop out, oh, and the I was boat will ask. keep going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man, that sounds wicked. So it is. it was a free game on PlayStation last month. Okay. Um, it is. It was totally worth it. I, I would have been happy... I think if I had paid like thirty bucks for it, I would have I would have felt like I definitely definitely got my money's worth. But that's more because I'm a narrative guy. Mm -hmm. Like if I had paid eighty dollars for this, which is essentially new game price at this point, I would be like I'm enjoying myself, but the story's not really good enough to keep my attention. I'm just playing it because it's like, oh man, there's a big town over there. I have to blow up the dictator statue, which rocket launcher to his knees, and then you watch like the head smash against a wall and roll apart. It's all again destructible. Yeah, real fun. So that's cool. the first thing. Nice. That sounds that sounds awesome. I, I and I, I totally see what you're saying. Like, if it's not the same storyline as something along the line or the story quality as GTA, it better have other redeeming qualities, and it sounds like it does. At it's least- a big explodey play like sandbox great cool so yeah Uh, all right my second game that i've been playing is gears of war 2 okay sure again i haven't played the original i just happened to find the second one um and it's something different other than like it's still a first person shooter but it's versus aliens or like big insects it's (laughs) actually it's been really fun um, I remember when the first one came out, and um, what the hell is that song? Uh, um, Mad World. Oh by, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was the the game. That was the song that came out, and it was just really juxtaposed. It really juxtaposed the the um, the commercial and just shooting all these all these aliens and all these insects or whatever they're called, these grubs and. And so I never thought anything of it, and then I just I happened to get it, and then I was sitting there playing, and I was like, "Is this that game that you that you? Oh yeah!" So I looked up the trailer for the original and saw that I was like, "Okay, yeah, I remember wanting to play this." So I mean, we're we're into the the war against the the grubs and everything like that, and so I don't know exactly how we got where we are, but it's it's been really fun. It's not it's it's different, just in the sense that you're shooting things that are more durable so it takes me a, like 20 shots with an automatic with a machine gun to kill one of these things that i'm shooting at versus a human it would be two or three shots right sure yeah so stuff like that um 
from a from a game control situation, I find some things really frustrating. Like, just like it's not the the same configurations as I'm used to, and like in order to jump over a ledge or something, I have to crouch in front behind it first, then jump over. And it's just little things like that that I find are a little frustrating and just not in tune to a lot of other first person shooters that I'm used to. Is it not a third person shooter? It is. Yes. Yeah, sorry, it's a third person. Okay. Third person is from behind, right? Like where you see the person that you're controlling. Yes. Is yeah. Okay. So it's a third person. That's that's my bad. First person is like Far Cry. Far Cry or, or like Doom or Battlefield. Something like that. Yes, yeah. where you see okay. your hands and a gun. Right. Okay. Yes. No. It's it's yeah. a third person shooter. Okay. So it's been it's been fun. There's been a little bit of getting used to, but the longer I got into it, it's like any game. The more you play, the more you get used to the controls. Yeah, no, and that's... uh, Some games use the standardized shooter things, Mm -hmm. and some don't. Yeah. And it, it, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, The game I just talked about, Just Cause 3, does not use the standard shooting buttons for a third-person game. And it's just like, okay, I have to... I just have to grind this into my head, because I keep hitting stuff that in every other game, I know what it should do, but it's not, so... Right. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. There's been, there were some levels that I found a little frustrating just trying to figure out what I was doing and I would end up dying and having to redo it a couple times. And, but the nice thing is actually the, there's one part kind of right in the, right at the beginning of the game where we're on this big company moving, like it's a, it's a big vehicle that's moving a whole bunch of, of army members at the same time and uh, gears, I guess is what they're called. (laughs) And and it took me a while to actually. They were the the enemy were lobbing uh, mortars at us, and you had to be shooting the mortars as they came down, and oh. which was fine once I figured once I got used to it. But if you didn't do it soon enough, then your vehicle will go off the road, and then you'd have to restart. But restarting also meant that you had to restart, and you'd see the cutscene too. Uh, and I found yeah. that really frustrating. It's like I've seen this cutscene. Just let me start right from the armada of vehicles here. I know what I need to be doing. I don't need to see that part. So then, but once we got past that, then, and once we got to a checkpoint, then if I died, then I just start from the checkpoint. I didn't have to see that. So I just had to get past that first part. But I just, I died so many times doing it and had to see that. And I mean, it wasn't a long one, but long enough that I was just like, yeah, I know exactly how this goes. Just let me start shooting the mortars. So there's little (laughs) things like that that I found a little frustrating and like little frustrations throughout the game, but nothing that made me turn it off and just not keep playing it was just little things here and there but like they're really fun moments as well like your your gun is both a gun and a chainsaw so there's times where a guy will run at you and you can just saw him in half so little things like that make up for the mild frustrations that i've had cool yeah so it's been really fun really glad i i've been playing it i'm just about done i think i think i'm getting really close to the boss level nice Mm -hmm. Uh, that is that is a series i've obviously never tried because i'm not an xbox guy Right. Oh, yeah, and, and it is only Xbox, isn't it? Yeah, they're exclusives. Yeah. So, cool. Mm-hmm. Up next for me, it, it's a kind of a quick one because it was a revisit for me, but I okay. did go back to Tropico 5. Okay. Uh, I, I picked up the Waterborne expansion. It was on sale for practically nothing. I think I paid like $1.60 for it or something oh, like that. It's still, I still stand by my article that I think it is the best city builder still on console okay um it's still fun and it is it's a city builder but it's got a political side to it i don't remember if you 
or I don't know if you remember me talking about it before, Dave, but it is a Banana Republic simulator. So you are okay. a a politician. You are El Presidente on in Tropico, and Tropico is whatever island you're on at that moment, and there's a massive campaign where there's, like, secret government agencies, and there's a whole bunch of tongue-in-cheek jokes, but it's also, like, a city builder, and you have to manage your city and manage resources to be able to do science stuff, so it blends a little bit of Civ in there, too, and I really like them. So I just hmm. I went back and did that expansion. Cool. So, well, that yeah. sounds fun. Uh, if anyone wants to know more about Tropico 5, the best thing to do is just head to theguysfrom.com go to the gaming section and I have an article there I think I called it why Tropico 5 is the best city builder of this generation oh cool um, that's so that's a very succinct title it's been up for it went up in our first few months oh, of wow, operation okay. as the guys from.com and it is consistently in our top 10 really yeah huh so a lot of Tropico 5 fans out there it was a free PlayStation game like eight months ago, so tons of people have access to it. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Um, my third game, and actually my last game that I'm playing, is uh, <laughs> Lego Indiana Jones. Ah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right? It, it actually came with the Xbox. When my friend gave me the Xbox, this is one of the games that she gave me. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll keep it for if my niece and nephew ever come and stay with me or something like that. And Don't kid and yourself. Lego games are awesome. They are so fun. And I <laughs> plowed through it. And so, like, Derek had, when we lived together, he had Lego Batman. And uh, there was another Lego game, I think, that I had played. And so I was familiar with the, the concept of them. Yep. And... I had been. I'm really enjoying. Like I haven't finished Gears of War, but I just decided that maybe I'd play something different. Yeah, just to switch it up. Yeah, exactly. Just change is good, right? And so I was like, ah, maybe you know, I'm going for. I played a lot of first person shooters, so maybe I'll go and play Lego Indiana Jones. And so I played it and went through every level, and I'm done every level. Yep. Like I've gotten through all three movies in a week, um, and now I'm going back through the free play to try and get all the. To make sure that I've, I've, um, I'm a true adventurer in all of them and get all my relic pieces so that I can get all 10 relics. And, like, I'm trying to... Get the red bricks, get everything yeah, else. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm... Basically, I'm trying to 100% this game. Just because it doesn't take much. Like, each level is a half hour of game time. And so I'm, I'm trying to get through that. And, yeah, if that. And I'm just trying to... It has replay value, and it's just fun walking around and smashing all the Lego pieces and chasing the the little tokens and everything like that. And it's been it's been really enjoyable. So it's just been a nice change from from Gears of War. No, I I get that completely. We've talked yeah. about it several times on and off podcasts that mm-hmm. I typically platinum, which is a hundred percent, a Lego game once a year. Yeah, well, because it's it's Lego. It's combining two of my favorite things: Lego and Indiana Jones. Yeah. So, is there a Lego Once, Star Wars? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I played Lego Star Wars as well. Uh, you so did with me back at Breezebois. That could very well be. Yeah. Uh, there's also now a Lego Force Awakens. Oh, really? Like, they've done the new one. Uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 is still coming. Okay. Uh, the one I did this year was Lego Jurassic World, which was amazing. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Oh, my God, that sounds amazing. 
it was all four of them done in Lego style. So they can't like kill characters and that sort of thing. And you're just running around the movies and even three was fun. So <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, I like that. But being able to wander around the Jurassic world theme park in Lego was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That sounds so cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure if that one made it to 360 or not. You'll have to take a look. Okay. Uh, but if you do end up picking up a PS4, I would imagine you'll be able to get it because it is old enough now. You'd probably be able to get that one for 15 bucks. Great. If not less. So. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep an eye out for that for sure. Anyway, to keep mm-hmm. us moving. Yeah. Because, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, although listening is always shorter. So that's true. Yeah. It's a it's a good balance. My third game is going to be Yonder the Cloud Catcher Chronicles. Okay. It's uh, an Australian game. It's kind of like a Dragon Quest Builders meets Zelda combination, which I know isn't going to mean much to you, but it's it's a lot about collecting stuff and building farms and adventuring and there is zero combat. So it's it's exploration and adventure. That's it. Okay. Cool. Again, and I'm just, I'm looking at the clock. We're trying not to be two hours. If people mm-hmm. want to know more, I wrote an article on it, theguysroom.com slash gaming. So you can check out more there. Even got a shout out from the developers, like the guys who made the game for writing it. So nice. they approve. Very cool. It's, if you're looking for a Zen game that is gorgeous with a great orchestral score, and it's literally just wandering around and like breaking rocks apart to make stone to make a stone trough so your adorable like yak elk hybrid can eat and then you can like nuzzle his nose and then hearts float around and stuff it's it's cute and it's just it is a like you were saying it's a change of pace right so that is yonder the cloud catcher chronicles cool all right um, I did have more games, but I felt like I would actually talk about something else. Um, I started fantasy football again this season. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, so that is the other thing that I'm playing. Uh, I actually am part of two leagues this year. Just look because I, I... Pardon me? I said, look at you. I know, right? I actually, I really enjoy fantasy football and got shit kicked last year in my one league, but just decided, you know what? And the other one, it's it's with a bunch of Shannon's friends, and it, it was a 10 buck entry fee, so it's not... It's not spend. I'm not spending a lot of money to, to play, and it yeah. just means that I have a couple teams to look after. They're both on Yahoo, so it's the same platform. It wasn't a, a new learning curve or anything like that. So it's been it's been nice to have two. Um, I'm having drastically different seasons. <laughs> okay. So last year I was dead last in my fantasy football in my my family pool. Uh, it's a it's a twelve man pool. 12 person pool and um i came dead last this year right out of the gate i am in first place after three weeks nice congratulations Uh, so thank you yeah so this is i mean uh, by the time this comes out we will have had another week played but i mean i don't know how (laughs) how i'm gonna be doing but the the cellar dwellers have gone from zero to first or from last to first so that's exciting um the pickup of cream hunt has been huge for me I would imagine, yeah. As has Matt Stafford's played well. I've got Jacksonville's defense, and they've done very well for me. Todd Todd Gurley's done well. So I've got a bunch of guys. Like, at running back, I'm just killing it, and I'm going to knock on wood because I don't want to jink myself. But it's just been it's been a big change from last year. Um, and it's been cool. Like, I've got 
I've had some pretty high-scoring games, and, you know, it's just been less disappointing this year. My other league, uh, Can't Find an Edelman, is both a Patriots and Pearl Jam reference, and I'm very happy about that. But they, um, they're not doing as well. In the first week, I got the second most amount of points and lost to the team who had the first, the highest amount of points. <laughs> so that was a piss off. And then last weekend or two weekends ago, I lost again. I finally got a win, but it's a PPR league and it's only ten men and there's more players. So like one guy in our league this year, this week scored 199 points. Whew. Yeah, and to me that's just too much. Like that's a lot of points. So. I would like to see fewer points and have it a little bit more competitive. But I think if we got if we get two more guys in the league next year, that might help because there's not going to be quite as many players to go around. So True. if if it is only ten, you do have thirty two teams of stars who have to get points. So exactly, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the what's going to come of it next next year, but it's been fun to to play a couple different teams and you know just see how players are doing. I've got Matt Stafford in both my leagues, and you know it's just. So far, again, I'm knocking on wood. I've been very lucky with injuries and everything, but who knows? I mean, it's it's the NFL. Who knows how it's going to go from here on out, right? So, yeah, exactly. We'll see. It's been good. It's been fun. It's I, I love fantasy football. It's about the only fantasy I can actually do because it takes Weekly. the least amount of commitment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what's your weird one, Sean? Okay, Dave. Mm-hmm. I need you on your computer. Yeah or phone, or whatever you want to use, I need you to type this into Google. H-A-T-O. H-A-T-O. F-U-L space boyfriend. Hatoful boyfriend? Yes. Okay. I I wrote it down because I was unlocking my phone and you got going too fast, so. Ah, um, fair enough. Give me me 30 seconds here. H-A-T-O, F-U-L. Hatoful boyfriend. So, uh, one of the free games in September <laughs> was Hatofo Boyfriend, and when Sony gives me a random weird Japanese game, I am definitely going to play it when it is free. <laughs> so, are you playing as a pigeon? No, no. You play as the only human, a human girl, at this academy of pigeons and other birds. Okay. It is a pigeon dating simulator. <laughs> okay. Slash school sim, kind of. It's like two hours, maybe, to finish one story. There are multiple story stories because there's multiple adorable birds to date. Um, and essentially, you just you go through it and make dialogue choices and uh, date birds. I'm looking, there's a, a poster for it, and the reviews say, possibly the craziest and most entertaining game purchase I've ever made. Fifty Shades of Pigeon, 10 out of 10. I don't understand how to turn it off. Those are three different reviews. Yeah. It's so weird. But it's so weirdly enjoyable, and I don't and know why. And was this on PlayStation that you played? Pardon? Was this on PlayStation? Yeah, it was. Okay. I think it it's also like, available like, on PC. And the App Store. Yes. Yeah. Weird. Seven bucks. I'm not going to pay seven bucks for it. Well, like I said, I got it for nothing. Yeah. So, like, I felt fine about that. Uh, And I definitely played it twice. (laughs) Okay. 
uh, in one sitting because you, once you've played it once, you can skip all the general dialogue because some things never change. Right. Like some like it's it's festival day at school. So what are you gonna do? Are you gonna do sports? Are you gonna go to the library? Like it's it's always gonna be basically the same premise. Right. Right. Okay. But who you are attempting to romance in time for I don't remember what they called Valentine's Day, but it was it was not Valentine's Day. It was like a bean giving day or something like that. Okay. Where you bought a delicious grain for the person you have a crush on. Um, and you have to pick the grain because you have to make sure you know them well enough to pick which grain. Like you don't know if that fancy pigeon's gonna like corn or not. So you gotta like you gotta think about it. There's a few different types of beans. The Japanese, and I'm saying this with all due respect because Shannon is Japanese, but the Japanese are messed up, man. It's like it's super. It's super weird. And you would never think of it, but it was fun. Cool. So, okay. yay. <laughs> well, there you go. I like that. Uh, okay. <laughs> should we move on to listening so this segment isn't an hour and a half itself? Yes. Yes, we should. Okay. We're also done playing, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not as much to talk about when it comes to listening. You're right on that, so... Since I started this one, uh, Sean, what are you? What's the first thing you're listening to? Or sorry, <laughs> since I started the first one, uh, daily song drop. Okay. A lot yeah. of my listening, and I say this every time we do this, is stuff yeah. of the daily song drop. I'm also going back and listening to some of the old playlists from the year because I'm looking forward to the TGF Top 25 of the year. So mm. I'm already mm-hmm. starting to go back, re-listen to some stuff, see what I really liked, see what hasn't held up as well, that sort of stuff. Gotcha. Cool. Frankly, it's actually the since I switched to the DSD, I found that the lists are a lot tend to be stronger. There are fewer songs I feel that have not held up. Is that right? As opposed to when I was doing Tuesday Tunes. Well, sometimes it would be when I was doing Tuesday Tunes and throwback tracks. Sometimes I would get to four songs on Tuesday Tunes and be like, oh, "Fuck, I've got mm-hmm. twenty minutes to finish this up. I have another one to do, and then I've got work." Uh, this. Sure, yeah. And they're fine. Like, I always liked the song when I first put it up, but maybe two months later, I'm like, ugh. Right. That one got annoying, so... Mm-hmm. But no, it's... So that, yeah, that's that's a good chunk of the music I listen to, but I okay. did pick out a couple other things just to mention as well, so... All right. Uh, since you started with music, I will too. I started listening to the new Foo Fighters album, Concrete and Gold. Oh, okay. How is it? It's really good. Uh, a buddy of mine who was also a Foo Fighters fan texted me the day it came out and, and asked if I had been listening yet. And I said, no, I, I, I don't know. And so I like it just came out that day. And so he said, uh, be warned, you're going to want to turn it up in the first minute, but don't for the sake of your eardrums. And I'm glad he warned me that because the beginning is very soft and it just powers into a, what is a great album. It's got a great ride. Um, there's some really nice kind of mellower songs on some heavy stuff um it's it's really good i i'm i've only given it a couple listens so i haven't really really gotten into the like the depths of it yet but what i've heard the few times i've listened to it is very good cool. so i would definitely recommend it nice. i mean at this point it's kind of a, a in the running for my favorite album of 2017 hey yeah so yeah 
Cool. I was I didn't even know it was out because I spent mm-hmm. so much time talking about indie stuff. So I'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. Tying into the DSD thing, uh, yep. Sigrid, a Norwegian pop, I can't say star, but I guess artist. Uh, her EP, Don't Kill My Vibe. I have listened to that a surprising amount. It is really, really good pop EP. Okay. It's very catchy. Plot Twist was featured in the September DSD list, so it'll be on, like, it's already up on Spotify and Apple Music and all that sort of stuff to check out that, the one of four songs off of the EP. But yeah, pop has to be kind of special for me to like it to the point where I listen to it outside of it being on the radio and being like, fine, I'll just listen to this because it's on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, uh, okay, so, very so, cool. Yeah, yeah, we definitely do fly faster in listening than we do in playing. Hey, oh, there's not as much to talk about because what are we supposed? Like, I can't play it because we can't. No, exactly. Get the licensing because we can't. We're not paying for that. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, my next one, just saying on the music trend, is uh, it's actually a playlist. Okay. Um, I, I discovered the ambient chill playlist on Spotify. Oh, that's a good one. Oh man, it's really good for like if I'm marking or if I'm working on something in my office and I don't want music or like I want music, but I don't want lyrics. Yeah. Just having something kind of, I guess it's synthesizer, but it's like, it's down tempo, it's chill. It's just, it's really nice trance, like low low beat trance music or something i don't know exactly i don't know how to describe it but it's just a really nice background noise and it's not spa music it's better than spa music right uh yeah it Um, is uh the the genre you're going for is ambient or ambient down tempo down tempo yeah okay that Uh, makes sense there is a little bit of chill wave on it as well Mm -hmm. but not a lot trance is a specific beats per minute which is why i'm right okay that makes sense yeah okay um, it reminds me a lot of um, Nightmares on Wax, Carboot Soul, yeah. which is a phenomenal album. So that's one, like, that's kind of what it reminds me of, and Nightmares on Wax would fit very well in this. Um, it's been, what's, what I find really nice is it's two and a half hours, and I could basically put it on repeat because I'm not, the songs aren't distinct enough for me to get sick of them. They just kind of exist. Yes, so it's been it's been a really nice find, and you know it's I've definitely favorited it on Spotify. So uh, that is that is something else for me. Well, good. Mm-hmm. I had mentioned when I was talking about cigarette that pop has to be really special, other than yeah. on the radio. Uh, do you remember when I was putting my living room together? What song I kept texting you about? I I don't know if I remember. I was it the Kesha one? It was. Okay, I don't remember the song. That's just fine. Because you it's, you just kept texting me, yes, Kesha. Yeah. <laughs> it was during We Are Who We Are when that was her okay. big track. Which that's obviously my segue to talking about Rainbow, Kesha's new album. Okay. Which I mentioned in a shout out already once. Uh, mm-hmm. but I have to mention it again because I am listening to it enough to justify it. Dave, have you given it a chance? I haven't, should I? I think you should. Okay. It's not this is her best work, in my opinion, by far. It is not pure pop music. It is not bubblegum pop, and it is not radio pop. Okay. There are two songs featuring the Eagles of Death Metal. Whoa. Who are, they are the band to her song, and they are fantastic. 
Cool. Uh, she goes into country, and this is as close to country as I am willing to get. But there are a few almost Dolly Parton-esque tracks. Huh. And, like there are a couple that are a little more poppy Kesha style, and that's got like that's going to happen. But by and large, this is it is a great album. Cool. So I definitely recommend checking out Rainbow by Kesha. Great. Okay. Another song uh, that I've been I've been enjoying, and it's just dropped. The album isn't even out yet. I know they're still working on it. Is Shred Kelly's first single from their new, what will be their new album? Okay. Um, and this this the single is called Arpelago. Is Ar- that how you pronounce that? Is it Ar- Archipelago? Ar- that's the one. Yeah. Okay. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's the word. Um, I'm a big fan of Shred Kelly. Uh, I think when we were still doing Tuesday Tunes, I think I got you to put one of their songs on on a Tuesday tune. Yeah, because I had that exact situation where it's like, I have 20 minutes. I need a song. Mm-hmm. You're like, what about Shred Kelly? I'm like, done. Done. Yeah. This is good. Yes. Yeah. They're, I know I've talked about them before. I love their music. Their, their concerts are even better than their than their studio albums because they're just... They play in pubs and like little little nightclubs, and they're I mean, there's 200 people there, and they're just cramped shoulder to shoulder, and it's energetic and sweaty, and just it's really fun. And so this new album, they're really cool because they play unique instruments. Like their lead singer plays the banjo and the the mandolin and the ukulele. Okay. Um, and so like those are driving driving instruments in their songs, and so. They've got some really, really good stuff, and their new one shows a lot of maturity. And the the one of the two lead singers, because there's there's the guy, and then there's the girl. The girls, I, I, they they kind of split the the singing duties, but yeah. he's singing on this one, and just it's a really nice sounding song. It's a it's a great great track um, and cool thing. The reason I I really liked it is um, the reason I watched it is because I knew that they'd been filming a, a music video in Calgary, and I actually know a couple people in the music video from having worked with them. And so I was like, oh, cool. That's huh. there's some friends of mine. So I mean, beyond just the music video, the song is really great. So if you guys can check it out, I think it's on YouTube. So yeah, Shred Kelly. Uh, still like our, a mid to up tempo indie folk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I only have one podcast because we've restricted ourselves to four. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the podcasts I listen to repeat. Right. But I wanted to point out that Pod Save the World has been particularly fantastic, especially in these last couple before, months. Right? I have, yes. Okay. Uh, it is hosted by Tommy Vitor, who used to sit on the NSC, uh, the National Security Council in the United States under o- President Obama. Right. And it is him talking to people he either used to work with or who are still in government about world affairs. Okay. So, like the Rohingya genocide in Myanmar that is going on now Mm -hmm. that nobody Mm -hmm. is really talking about or the rise of the alt-right in Europe specifically around uh, Chancellor Merkel's uh, re-election but the AFP or AFB got 13% which in Deutschland to have a alt-right party at 13% is weird Um, I saw something about about that the other day I found it very very odd it's anti-immigrant settlement because of the huge influx of Syrian refugees. Right. And then the like attacks and stuff throughout the EU and EU anti-EU sentiment and all of that sort of stuff. But anyway, like he interviews people who worked on this their whole lives or he does an interview with the former um, ambassador to South Korea 
about his time okay. in South Korea and what's going on in North Korea and what so it's it provides a layer of information and context that while not always easy or fun to listen to gives mm-hmm. you so much more depth on international relations than anything else I've ever found. So I totally totally recommend it. It is always okay. fascinating. That is Pod Save the World. Cool. Uh, I also have one podcast to talk about. There's others that I've been listening to, but since we're limiting ourselves, I will limit myself to this one. And I've cut it off a couple times because I've no, I, I I keep listening to this one, so I knew it would come up eventually. Right. I've been really into the Norm Macdonald Live podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, totally the same subject matter. Norm really like really bears down on everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy he can talk about a lot of different subjects. Oh, like yeah. the guy is extremely intelligent i think he tends to stay away from from the the political side and i mean mostly the people that that he has on are comedians and they talk about comedy and their their journey through comedy and everything like that so this season some of the the highlights have been um sarah silverman he she did two two episodes with him and and david letterman was on it and dana carvey and jerry seinfeld so he's had some pretty incredible guests come on and they just talk about comedy and I mean I am a massive Norm Macdonald fan I've seen him live a couple times and will continue to see him live as he comes through Alberta and and um, I thought that he was amazing as the the anchor on Weekend Update so I'm a I'm a very big fan of his and so just being able to to support him by watching his podcast has been nice and or listening to his podcast you can watch it on YouTube if you want it as well right um but it's just been it's been very cool just to kind of talk to these people like David Letterman and Jerry Seinfeld, these guys who kind of came up before him or at the same time as him and just tell stories with them and, and just trade war stories and everything and trade jokes. It's been it's been very fun and I mean this is in he's in his third season. I miss I've got two whole seasons that I haven't even listened to yet. I kind of picked up in the third season with David Letterman, but it's been it's been great listening. So cool. Mm-hmm. All right, we have another half to do, so yeah. um, our second half will be brought to you by Gemlor. Gemlor the Destructor. Praise Gemlor. And we're back. So we've talked about read, uh, listening and we talked about playing. So now we're going to talk about reading. Ooh. And the first thing that I'm going to talk about is something really quick. It's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm slowly working my way through the, the Harry Potter series again. But because I've read them before, I'm not going to really touch on this. It's fairly old news. Most people who have any knowledge of pop culture are aware of Harry Potter and probably the various books in the series. So it's the third one. I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorites of the series. So it's been fun to read that, but I plowed through it and moved on to, now I've moved on to something that's not Harry Potter and I'll get back to those eventually. It's just, I, you know, it's it's nice to be able to mix it up. So that was, that's the first thing I'm reading. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, I have nothing to say to that because I've never read or watched any of them. So cool. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Every I've been forced to take the quiz a few times, and apparently I'm a Slytherin. Does that mean something to you? Uh, it's not overly surprising, actually. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm Hufflepuff, it's a, it's a... so it's just like Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. I mean, Slytherins are the baddies, but they're also like very cunning and very wise and have gone on to do great things. Like, they're not all Slytherins are bad, but anybody who is bad is Slytherin. Okay. Yeah. Plus, we get a dope green S, so yeah. I'm in. Worked out Favorite really well. color and the letter that works the best Yeah. when talking about me. <laughs> S. There you go. See? Pays to be a Slytherin, <laughs> apparently. Booyah. Yeah. Uh, first book I'm going to talk about is The Quantum Thief. That's pretty uh, much Harry Potter, right? Um, I, I don't know. Kind of? <laughs> Maybe? It's the same as... Norm Macdonald is to Pod Save the World? No, well, no, this is closer, because The oh. Quantum Thief by uh, Hanu Rajanyemi okay. is, it's a series of hard science fiction books, all wrapped around, essentially, like a master thief called Jean Le Flambeur. Okay. It's a very hard sci-fi, uh, and what I mean by that is, it's there are a lot of very complicated concepts. It's not so much based in a world that you can understand and then grow from. It mm-hmm. is entirely just off the wall science fiction. Oh. It was okay. good. I don't uh-huh. know that it was good enough to convince me to pick up the second book though. Okay. So it, how many books in the series do you know? I I could look. I am not sure. It doesn't matter. Just it, I guess it. You know, if it if it's good but not good enough that you're gonna pick up the second book, then it does. There could be twelve, and it doesn't matter because you're not gonna pick up the second one. Yeah. Okay. Like I I I enjoyed it, but it was such a dense process of picking up on concepts. Like I I understood what was going on, and I understood everything mm-hmm. eventually, right. but. There were points where it's just like, I don't want to pick this up. I've had a long day. I want to read to relax. Sure. And now I have to contemplate post-human mind thievery or like the Oublet, a moving city on Mars where time is currency, memories are treasures, and a moon turned singularity lights the night. Jesus. And that's one character, and there's mul- like there's a couple different perspectives, and one of them's an investigator who's also hunting Le Flambeur. But La Flambeur doesn't remember anything because he was in a mind prison. <laughs> like huh. so, it, like it was very interesting, but yeah. I just like it. It didn't hook me enough to where I'm like, oh, I have to read the next one. Sure. It's more like I enjoyed myself and I'm good. Okay, I got neat. You. I've read books yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's the Quantum Thief. The Quantum Thief sounds like one I will never read. Probably not. <laughs> Uh, the other book I'm going to talk about is called Fast Girl by Susie Favor Hamilton. Okay. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with who Susie Favor Hamilton is. Uh, I had never really heard of her. Or do you know her? No, not okay. at all. So she's a Should long I? distance runner. Okay. Uh, she was a three time Olympian. So she ran in uh, 96, 92, and 2000. Or okay, I, yeah, I sure. think I think she did. I think she did Barcelona, Atlanta, and then Sydney. 
I think those are the three that she did. Okay, so yeah, 92, 96, and 2000. Yeah, I just couldn't I couldn't remember if it was... She didn't run in 88, and I don't think she ran in London. So I think it was those three. Definitely a three-time okay. Olympian. Anyway, so it chronicles her her entire life. Like, it's basically... It's a, it's a biography, autobiography. Um, and so she she was basically the long term the the long and the short of it is she ended up she has bipolar disorder oh, okay um and when she was growing up she loved running but she really hated the the pressure that went with running she just liked running but she was so good at it like she went to the university of wisconsin and then she ran in the olympics but as a as a result like she didn't fare well in any of the olympics because the pressure almost was too much and i I think in her last i think it was sydney in in the finals of the 1500 i believe she ended up collapsing before the, the the end of the race like she just fell to the track because like the pressure of everything just she succumbed to it and just too much collapsed yep so that was kind of the first half of the book. The second half is when, to with her husband's knowledge, she actually started going to Vegas as a call girl, as an escort. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, like, basically you find out that for their 25th anniversary or something like that, or 20th anniversary, they go to Vegas and they, they hire an escort and they have a threesome. And she just, like, because of her bipolar disorder, she got really jazzed on this and, like, just slowly started to lead this double life, right? So she was still Susie Favre Hamilton back in Wisconsin, but once a month she would fly to Vegas and be an escort, like a high-priced escort. And it was just, it was really interesting how she came to that and how she just kind of let her life spiral like that. And, you know, she didn't think it was a spiral and she didn't any, didn't think anything was wrong because this is what made her happy. And, and you know, it wasn't until, re, until after that she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and kind of went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Um, so it's a book about, I mean, the, ultimately it's a book about mental health, right? Like yeah. between a lot of chapters, she has little snippets of, of things talking about her mental health and everything and when she was really young her her brother actually was also bipolar and he committed suicide and so like mental health runs in our family and so she's like if we knew now if we knew then what we know now then we could have helped my brother and it was it's, it's a very interesting read um i'm glad to have read it and it's interesting to see how how one's life can kind of spiral without you even knowing that you're spiraling yeah but it's also one that it didn't grab me. I didn't want to like, it wasn't like I was, I was coming home and I was like, man, I have to read this book. It was like, okay, I should finish this book. And so I'd go and read it. And I was glad to have read it. And I'm glad like other people in my family have read it as well. So now I can be part of the conversation, but it wasn't anything that like, it's not one that I will reread. If anybody wants to borrow it from me, I'll just kind of give it to them and just kind of say, okay, when you're done with it, give it to somebody else. It's not one that I'll need back because I don't feel like I need to reread this one. That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was interesting material though. And, you know, if, if I got it for like six bucks at chapters, it was in the discount rack. I was like, okay, cool. So I bought Ugh. it and read it just because of that. So Love those racks. Yeah, right? Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Fast uh, Girl by Susie Favor Hamilton. Cool. Mm-hmm. The as we're only doing two, mm-hmm. uh, I'll do one book and then one manga series. Sure, because that's what I do. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Jin, J I N. Yeah. G I N. J. Okay. Yeah. By Matoka Murakami. Okay. It is about a doctor in the year like roughly 2000. Okay. Named Jin, who is through a weird sort of time space 
I can't explain anything without spoiling something. So through weird circumstances, okay, is transported back into Edo, Japan. Oh, with a medical bag and all of his knowledge. So what the story is about is it's about him saving the life of the first son of a samurai family by performing a surgery that does not exist in that time using instruments that don't exist in that time. So then word starts to travel that there's a new doctor who is able to treat stuff. And because it's so Ito, this era of Japan, like we're talking late 1880s period, like the end of Shogun era. So there it is open to Dutch sailors and all of that sort of stuff. Like it's not closed Japan and it's not gotten to Imperial Japan yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So it's, it's about him with the help of the daughter of the family. So the sister of the first guy he saved figuring out ways to treat the diseases of the time because as a doctor he feels like he should wow so it's a like it's it's not super light Mm -hmm. but it's not like a real heavy anything either but you get a completely different perspective and it you get a ton of medical knowledge out of it as well like they he will actually in the books walk through the surgery it's like here's what i gotta do i gotta do this and they'll technical terms and everything detail it cool so and it's just like the i've read the third volume recently uh and i think we're it's at like 12 or something like that so i'm still pretty early and i've only read about 700 pages okay but where i'm at right now is he sequestered himself away to try and figure out a way that he could make penicillin because penicillin will not be invented until the 1920s and it is the 1880s so he and he was a friend of his took him to a red light district and the red light district is rife with syphilis sure and he's like is there a way i could help because some of these women are dying in they're like at 23 from syphilis, mm-hmm. right? So he's trying to so he figures out a way by sequestering himself and remembering his college days, a way that in theory he could make penicillin out of blue mold. Huh. So it's like him going to a medical center where there are, like the the Ranpo. Uh, so Western style doctors. And so he's just blowing their minds and he's finding people to help make him instruments to replace the instruments that like he, now he's out of suture stuff. So he needs somebody to make something comparable. Right. And so he's trying to operate within this as a guest of the Shogun because the Shogun's chief advisor is the teacher of the son that he saved. Okay. So through this kind of luck, he has managed to get himself protected by the shogunate, but the Chinese medical doctors, because there's two different schools of, of doctoral science at this era. Mm-hmm. So the Chinese medicinal people are freaking out because the way he's able to cure things would destroy their profession. So now they've sent assassins after him, Oh, which is counter to 
what being a doctor would be because you'd think they'd want to help, but... So it's like there's a political side starting to come in, and yeah, it's it's real good. Cool. I mean, I'm not one to to read manga comics, but it like the the story sounds really cool. So I'm glad yeah. that you're enjoying it. At a certain point, this is another one of those things like anime, where it's just like I need to get you one. Yeah. Something like this, like mm-hmm. Jin, where it's it's not like weird fan service stuff or yeah. and it's not necessarily made for 12 year old boys because there are those too right just sure. like comics but ones that are made for us mm-hmm. and this is definitely one of those cool so yeah that's my other thing that i am reading nifty so get to the to the smallest one hey yep exactly yeah because, uh, you know, we never never watch anything, so... No, this will, uh, this will go fast. Yeah, breeze right through this. As it turns out, and by no actual consultation, Sean and I both have one TV show and five movies that we're going to talk about. Yep. So we're going to get into that right now. I'm watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay, sure. Um, I've seen the first season, or the first couple seasons, a few times, Um but the there's there's new seasons on on Netflix right now, which has been nice because it kind of got to a point where I, I didn't know what was going to happen. The at the end of the one season, I was like, "Damn, I want to know what's going on." And so I kind of burned through a lot of it in the first couple months of, of the summer because I'd be sitting in my office at the university just sketching things and keeping things, you know, just getting getting class stuff ready, and I would just put it on in the background. So I plowed through the first couple seasons really quickly. Um, sure. So it, it's really enjoyable. I mean, I love Andy Samberg, and um, Terry Crews is great, and Melissa Fumero's fantastic. Like, it's a very good cast, and it's it's another cop show, but it's a... Excuse me. It's a funny cop show instead of, like, a really... You know, it's, it's not that heavy. There's some heavy moments, but it's just... It's kind of a fun, lighthearted take on on the the... NYPD. Police and procedural. It's been, it's been really good. Yeah. So cool. I think I'm on to season four now. I think that's where I'm at is season four. And it's been, you know, it's been pretty solid. There's one scene towards the beginning of season four where I guess they're looking after, they're looking for a, a perp named Dave Smith and, and uh, Andy Samberg makes it, the reference something along the lines of, uh, oh yeah, we're looking for one Dave Smith. Sounds like a real piece of crap. I've gotten that video texted to me so many times. <laughs> Which is fair, and if you know if they were looking for somebody whose name was Sean Cordingly, I would one hundred percent send you that video. Like I don't begrudge people for doing it. It's just like, yeah, I finally saw the clip that went along with it because I saw that I saw finally saw the episode that went along with the clip because I've seen the the clip way more times than I've seen the episode. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So anyway, so that's the that's the TV show. I mean, it's nothing. We've talked recently about shows and everything like that and so i'm just i'm there's other things that i can i can talk about instead of other tv shows so sure yeah um the tv show that i was going to talk about is hbo's the deuce okay how is it i'm enjoying it so far yeah um for anyone who hasn't checked it out or doesn't have hbo is that's essentially where it is right now uh the deuce is uh, set in New York, it's an HBO-style multi-character drama. 
uh, during the 70s and 80s, mostly wrapped around porn and prostitution, um, but done tastefully. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not exploitative. Sure. Ne- it hasn't felt exploitative at all from what I have seen so far. Okay. But it is, it's wrapped around that kind of world, uh, and it's by David Simon. Oh, same guy so, who did The Wire. Yeah, exactly. This is his next thing. Cool. Basically. So that's great. Good. I'm glad to know that it's it's decent so far. I've got the are they, are they three episodes in right now as of our recording this? As of our recording this, three episodes. Okay, because yes. I've got three of them on my PVR. So I'm glad that it's that it's good. And I just I I forgot what it was. And I was like, what the hell is the deuce? But I know at one point you mentioned that it was co- upcoming. Yeah. And I think I just set the PVR to to do a series recording. I'm like, I'll get to that eventually. So I'm glad to know that it's it's worth worth checking out. Yeah, so uh, again, it's still super early. Sure. Uh, but I'm like we've talked about it before where I always give series 3 episodes yeah. to either catch me or I bail. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm like I'm going to keep going cuz okay. I'm interested to see where this goes. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Um I actually have my the order of all the the movies I'm going to talk about too. Oh, yeah. look at you. This is the most prepared I've probably ever been. Well, certainly for what we're up to, but maybe ever for a podcast. <laughs> I like the fact that you keep saying that week by week. Right? It's like it only took you 188 episodes to really commit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, really, now is now is when I'm getting serious. Well, it's probably because there's a second co-host. That's true, yeah. I don't want to lose my, my job outright. So. All of a sudden, there's a second co-host, and Dave starts trying. Ooh! Hey, you put another piranha in the tank, and uh, then I get I get my backup. So yeah. <laughs> the first movie I'm going to talk about, I've got a couple older ones that that I've finally gotten around to seeing, so I'm going to talk about those first. Um, sure. The first one is Deliverance. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember, I think, did you text me about it or in our preamble before we started recording? I think it was in the preamble before we started recording. And I said that I said Deliverance and you're like, for the first time? Yeah. Like, yes, for the first goddamn time. <laughs> uh, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, but not at all what I thought it was going to be. Okay. Because I know things about it. I know, like, the penultimate scene. I know that there's dueling banjos in it. I didn't... But beyond that, I didn't know... Like, it was a bunch of guys on a canoe trip who were just kind of... They were canoeing down this river before they, they flooded the valley. And um, I didn't realize that, the like, the penultimate scene kind of happened halfway through. Like, I, I didn't know anything about that. Right. But I knew that some of these things happened. Um... It was shocking and hard to watch. Oh, yeah. But also really good. Very well done. And I actually thought that... Because the the two main stars are... um, uh, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Jesus, I don't know why I just forgot his name. I've been thinking about it for the last five minutes. Burt Reynolds and John Voight, right? They're the two main stars. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that, sure. Yeah, like, I mean, because um, there's the, the country music star who, who's in it, and I can't remember what his name is. And then there's um, the dad from... Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty, yeah, yeah, Ned Beatty's in it. So, like, there's a few, but as far as, like, the... the 
Anyway, I thought there was going to be more Burt Reynolds, and I thought he was really kind of the, the he saves the day sort of thing. But I, I mean, I don't want to spoil it just in case there's other people out there who haven't. But like, I didn't realize that he wasn't the guy who kind of saved, quote unquote, saved the day. Um, he kind of gets yep. incapacitated, and as a result, yep. somebody else who has to do. It. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So it was just it was interesting to see, having not known as much as I thought I did about that movie. Yeah. So it was good. Definitely and, worth the watch, but certainly one that I don't need to see again anytime soon. <laughs> I think I watch it once every five or six years. Yeah, that's about right. Because it's super good, mm-hmm. but I don't need to see it all no. the time. No, it's like it's like American History X. It's one of those ones where I really enjoy it when I see it, but after I've seen it, don't really need to watch it again anytime soon. Well, plus you have the news. You can see Nazis when you need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who? I wish a... I had a World War II movie. I really wish I had a World War II movie so I could <laughs> use that as a transition. Dang. Ah, uh, bummer. Well, so then the first movie I will talk about, I will go with Kagamusha. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not expecting you to have seen this. It is a th- almost three-hour-long Akira Kurosawa film. Oh. Uh, it's one of the ones that I hadn't seen before. So it's one of his shorter ones, is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> a little bit. It's not Senjuro short, but it's short. But it's not Seven Samurai long? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sweet, sweet four hours. <laughs> okay, so what's what's this one about? As is tradition, it is set in samurai era. Sure. Um, it is the warlord era, though. So okay. it's like Nobunaga is in it. Nobunaga Oda, who, if you know anything about Japanese history, you know the name Nobunaga. But it is essentially about a samurai warlord hires a double for... Okay, what's the best way to describe this? A thief who looks exactly like a warlord, one of the three warlords who's not Nobunaga, it's mm-hmm. the Tanaka, is hired to play a double of the warlord in like dangerous situations and that sort of stuff. Right. But the warlord dies, and his last request is that they don't leave the the clan's lands, so the Takeda lands, mm-hmm. for three years. But in order to prevent the other two warlords from picking them apart, is they rely on the fear that the best general, the Takeda, the guy who died, is still alive. So they put the thief in his place for three years. Cool. Which angers his son to no end because his son should be the next warlord. Oh, yeah, yeah, but okay. Was, but he was disinherited for his son. So the grandson is technically the next lord because the son is too hot-headed. Oh. But for as long as this guy, who isn't his real dad, acts as his dad, he can't do anything about it. Huh. That's so it's, actually pretty cool. It's all of the the intrigue around that, and they do get drug into a war, 
Right. So he has to serve as the general, but all of his advisors basically do the work for him, and right. it's his presence. And he does, and he just kind of folds into the the role. Right. And then when it ends, he's just shattered. Sure. So, yeah, it's it's very, very good. Cool. One of my favorite Akira Kurosawa Is films. that right? Yeah. Did you see it on TMC? TCM, yep. That's what I meant, yeah. Interesting. Well, it next was... time it's next time it's on, if you track it down, you should let me know so I can... Because it sounds super cool. Yeah, it is. It's really good. And it's 1980, so this is Kurosawa when he's got a budget. And it's nice. in color. <laughs> nice. Very cool. So... So yeah, cool. Kagenusha. Right. How? Do, yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll just I'll just let you text me when it's on. <laughs> I haven't been doing that as much because I don't remember what's on your PBR. All the things. That's exactly why I'm like I'm not gonna tell him about yeah. these four things. <laughs> probably probably a safe bet. That said, I have gotten a few off my PBR like Deliverance and The Birds. Hey. Man, Hitchcock was so good. He was so good. Like, I've seen a few of his. I've seen Psycho, and I've seen most of Rear Window. I I have that on my PBR as well. I, I watched it once, but had to leave or something, and then, so I've got a PBR so I could watch it again. Happens. Uh, Vertigo, I've got on my PBR. So I've got a few Hitchcocks, but, like, we've written sketches that parody the birds. Yep. And so... Like and everybody like the the Simpsons has moments that that parry to the birds a few different ones so like there's there's it's kind of in my pop culture vocabulary without me having ever seen it yeah and so I felt like I should rectify that and I'm really glad I did it's a very it's good a, one. it's very good it's not again it's one of those ones like in true Hitchcock fashion it starts one way and then kind of meanders down a path that you're not really expecting. Yeah. Like, both the birds and Psycho kind of take place. It's like, oh, yeah, no big deal. And then this person leaves the leaves the city in which they live, and then bad things happen. So basically what Hitchcock is saying is, never leave your city. And which one of us did that? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I was driving back to Calgary recently, and I passed a field. And I bet you 200 birds flew up out of this field. And it like it actually gave me a little bit of, a, of the creeps. I was like, oh, that's like the birds. <laughs> they weren't as big. They were little like sparrow type, like little, little field. I don't know what, the, what they were. Um, field thrushes or yeah, sparrows or something like not, that. Not yeah. like ravens and seagulls that are attacking. Um, anyway, it was, it was strange. I just found it really weird. Like it, it doesn't. And it I mean it ends, obviously. It's not a never ending movie, but it like it doesn't resolve itself. No. They just leave. Yeah. I'm like, what okay, so we don't have an answer as to why this happened. Like it's just birds are nope. acting like dicks. And I was like, that's yes. both weird and unsettling, but also again very Hitchcockian. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it was um How unsatisfying would a an explanation have been though? Totally, and that's the thing. Right? Like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not disappointed that there wasn't an explanation, and it just 
it makes it that much more unsettling. Is like we don't know is this an epidemic? Is this a pandemic? Is this just uh, constrained, confined to this one little town? Is it just kind of this one little area in California? Like we don't know. There's just no explanation. They just yep. they just leave, and it's like maybe they leave to go to the hospital and it doesn't resolve itself and this just keeps happening or I don't know. It's, it, it just, there's an air of mystery around it. And I find that both tremendous and also super unsat, uh, super un- unsettling. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you finally seen it. So now you get all of those references. Yeah, for sure. And I got a lot of them because, you know, YouTube, you can YouTube the, the, the part of sky outside the, the schoolyard and, you know, yeah. when she's in the phone booth and everything, like, and, like, because Hans Molman is asking for a bird feeder when there's birds fla- smacking against <laughs> the the uh, the glass in the Itchy and Scratchy Land episode. Like, there, there are moments that I am aware of. It's just now I know all the references. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's my number three is the birds. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one up for me, I'm going to go with the oldest movie on the list, and that is Broadway Melody of 1940. Okay, we've talked about Broadway melodies before, right? Uh, yes, I have, okay. because this was Eleanor Powell's uh, Star Vehicle series. Right, okay. And she is awesome. I think... I'm a big Eleanor Powell fan. <laughs> we talked about them during Favorite Musicals, I believe. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. I don't remember which one, because they're all pretty good. You mentioned a couple. Anyway... How's, how's Broadway 36? Melody 1940? Uh, 1940 is excellent. Is it, it is, yes. It is better than 38. Okay. But, and close to on par with my favorite of the series, which is 36. Okay. This one gives her a dancing partner who can actually keep up with her as opposed to every other one because this one... They paired her with Fred Astaire. No way. And it is amazing. (laughs) Cool. She, and again, we've talked about this before, and if anyone ever asks us to talk, or asks me specifically probably to talk about, like, the best dancers ever when it comes to film, Eleanor Powell is probably number one for me. She is amazing. (laughs) And to pair her with somebody as good as Fred Astaire... Mm-hmm. Really pays off, huh? It's a variety. It's like a differences in style because there's nobody as precise as Eleanor Powell is because she came from ballet and then did like jazz tap, so okay. she has that ballet precision in the other styles. It's it's hard to describe for if you can't see it, right? Slash if you don't really know especially film dance of the era. <laughs> so right, this one's yeah, really fair. for all of the those people who know the dancers of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, I, I but yeah, don't know so, what you're talking about. So Broadway Melody, this is about a failing dance partner, like an unsuccessful dance team. They, basically, they work at like a club, and it's two guys. Mm-hmm. And... A producer discovers that Fred Astaire is an amazing dancer. No! But the producer thinks... The producer gets a different name, like the other partner's name. Okay. And then puts that partner 
in the new show with Eleanor Powell, who's already a Broadway star. Right. Thinking that he's discovered the next big thing. Right. Then the director thinks that this guy is pretty good and Mm -hmm. so, like, casts him, but it goes straight to this, the, to Shaw's head, essentially. Right. Uh, So he becomes a drunk and useless. And Fred Astaire is teaching him all of the dances. Because he can't pick them up without Fred Astaire's character. Because he's not oh, okay. as good as a dancer. He's just, he's not. Right. So, uh, over the course of the musical, essentially it is Eleanor Powell realizing that Fred Astaire's character is the one that should be in the show with her. Mm-hmm. And it's it's never a spoiler in 40s musicals, because everything always works out fine. So, his sure, yeah, yeah. dance partner, the one that was cast in the show fakes being drunk to the point that he can't go on so fred astaire's character goes on and like sweeps people off their feet in the show so you actually get to see the dance they've been working on the whole time with the two people who probably choreographed it and it is (laughs) amazing man that's rad so cool that sounds really fun they're they're Um, all and now it's it's fluffy it's popcorn right so like you you're having a bad day or you just feel like a musical it's an hour and a half it's a light story there's some weird character actors in it maybe there's a guy who sneezes and that's his talent and right they stay with him maybe too long that does happen on occasion sure but you get to see some of the best dancers of all time dancing together and some of the best musical numbers and musical numbers you'll just recognize from looney tunes and other stuff amazing so yeah Broadway okay. Melody of 1940. I can recommend the entire series, but if you can only see two of them, 36 and 40. And if okay. I had to pick one, I still think 36 for the music and 40 for the dance. Great. Okay. So Nifty. Well, and now that I've gotten passed by Reservation Against Musicals, then I'm, I am more inclined to go and, and do that. Just had, like, it's the same as manga and anime. I just yeah. have to find the right ones to get you in. And now yeah, you're exactly. watching Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and The Music Man. and <laughs> Exactly. All it took yep. was Singing in the Rain. Yeah, exactly. My fourth movie is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Okay, sure. Um, we had done the, the trailer react to this many, many moons ago. Yeah. And... Uh, it's it's part of the Harry Potter world, but it takes place well before anything in the Harry Potter world actually happens. Yep. Um, and in New York. And in New York, yeah. Um, so it's it's it was really really fun. I I sent uh, my friend CJ, who I used to work with. I sent her a message when I because she'd seen it in the theater when we were still working together. And I PVR'd it, and so I sent her a message. I was about two-thirds of the way through, told her I, I was watching it, and we just fanboyed slash girl out over Harry Potter and, and the movie. And it's just, it's really well done. It's visually stunning. It's funny. It's got a great story. Um, Eddie Redmayne is terrific as Newt Scamander. I mean, the guy's just a phenomenal actor in general. Yeah, he is. Yeah, so it was it was thoroughly enjoyable, Definitely, I, I'm looking forward to future versions of this. Like, I like that they're doing the same thing with this as they are doing with Star Wars in the sense that, like, there are the the kind of the baseline for the world. You know, you've got your Star Wars, your Star Wars, your your 
original three and then your prequels but then you have stories branching out from everywhere whereas now it's like we've got the harry potter and that series has come to an end but we have things like fantastic beasts and where to find them so we have these other stories so you can still live in this world and still really enjoy it um it's been it was really fun and i'm, I'm glad to have seen it and um definitely definitely looking forward to future ones sure i found the pace off i've seen this yeah okay yeah <laughs> like it, you're right it was gorgeous to look at and mm-hmm. eddie redmayne was amazing and the acting was all all good actually yeah. like everybody was good in it but i just found the like tempo wise it felt long sure and i i will agree with that it does seem to drag in some moments and i think they could have clipped some of those moments a little bit but i did like i did enjoy myself when the next one comes out on netflix or the movie network or whatever i will probably watch it sure but it wasn't this wasn't this did not make me go oh man i gotta watch all the harry potters and i'm gonna go see this next one in theaters like yeah "Eh, no it it was fine it was good but i I do agree i don't know if i go out of my way to see it in the theater but i will definitely check it out when it comes out on netflix or the movie network or what have you for sure cool yeah okay the next film for me Mm -hmm. dave dave I'm, i'm gonna wander into korea for a while is is that cool i'll just get myself comfortable here <laughs> okay i've watched a couple of korean films that i want to talk about and the first one is pandora okay um it is on netflix i think it's a netflix original from korea okay it is about uh what's the best way to put this it is about a small town who their main purpose of existence is they have a major nuclear power plant. Okay. Most of the town works at the power plant. So it's it's like a it's like a mill town, right? So everybody works at the nuclear power plant. The okay. guy, yeah. the safety officer at this power plant has been trying to convince the government that they need to update it and spend the money to make it better. If you know anything about the Korean government, it's all that there's a podcast in itself in the Korean how the Korean government works because it is incredibly closed and very difficult to get anything done. And it's a lot about who you know and all of that sort of stuff. And this is in South Korea. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I assumed. I just like, I mean, obviously North Korea. It's even harder to get anything done because it's just decision of the dictator so okay that's well good to know. And, and and a safety officer would not be telling sure. anybody in north yeah. korea that something's wrong sure <laughs> like they, they, yeah. that's no uh yeah i guess i said korea so i always mean south korea and like, I, assumed, I will be specific i just wanted to, I just if, want to specify yep so an earthquake happens okay and there's an explosion at the nuclear plant and it is essentially a nuclear disaster movie where something the size of Fukushima happens in South Korea. South Korea, a much smaller country than Japan, meaning pretty much everybody's at risk. Sure. So it's the workers trying to stop it. The radiation leak, the town is essentially becomes fallout. So they, they're having to evacuate. And it's about all of these characters coming to terms with they, they don't the main character doesn't want to work at the plant but has to for family reasons and that sort of stuff and it's a hereditary thing as well like his dad worked at the plant and that's the situation like this 
it's mostly dads and sons working mm-hmm. in the plant. So this disaster has the potential to wipe out the entire town, including like families. Jeez. So it's like it's it's essentially a disaster movie. So then it is like the government realizing they screwed up and so then it's containment efforts and trying to figure out how they can do stuff and they can't use seawater to cool the rods because until the government says that they will shut this plant in it has to be recoverable which means they have to use fresh water right despite the fact that it's on an ocean Mm -hmm. so they have to be like helicoptering in buckets of water to try and cool a meltdown wow and so it's like the government side of it and the family side of it and there's a kind of romantic side of it and it's Korean movie, which means it's a melodrama, which means you're going to cry. God damn and it, I cried everything good. anyway. Well, this one is meant to make you cry. So, but it's, okay. it is a very good disaster movie. So if cool. you're looking for a disaster film, I definitely recommend Pandora and it is a Netflix original as far right. as I remember. So okay. it's pretty much available everywhere. Awesome. Uh, sounds great. My number five, the fifth movie on my watching list is Mother. Okay. So, since I saw Mother, I think, opening weekend, possibly the weekend after it opened. No, I think you went opening. I think I did. I was very excited for it. I saw the preview, and I thought, oh man, this this movie looks awesome. It looks super twisted and scary and, and... Oh, I, I mean, I love Aronofsky. I, I thought the, the Black Swan was amazing. I, I, I really love Requiem for a Dream. Since having seen it, I've heard ads where people are like, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And I am of the latter. I did not like Mother. Okay. I, having read some reviews after, I understand now what he was going for and it makes a little bit more sense. I still think it was really weird and almost unnecessary and not at all what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't it was a stressful movie and I think that was the intention, but I was going in expecting more of a suspense horror type thing and oh. it wasn't. Um yeah. just the way that they spun the trailer, it looked a lot more like it was going to be like really suspenseful and horror-y type thing, right? And it didn't have that element and there was a lot of things again since i've read reviews and i'm like oh i get that now still don't like it so that's kind of where i'm at is i get it i just didn't care for it i know there are some people like friends of mine who have seen it who loved it there are people who um when when we saw it in the theater shannon and i kind of sat there and went what the hell was that and there's other people like oh man that was awesome so maybe i just didn't understand it or maybe I feel like this this could be one of those situations where people say they love it just because they feel like they have to because they don't understand it. And I could very well be wrong. I don't think that's everybody. I just think in certain cases it's just like it's easier to say that you loved it even though you didn't understand it to make to make yourself seem smarter. Maybe that's really cynical of me. I don't know. Either way, I didn't love it. I'm curious to see what other people whose opinions on movies I, I really value and respect – I w- I'm curious to see what they think. I want to have conversations about this movie, so I'm looking forward to people seeing it. I'm right. just r- really curious. like, And I don't begrudge people who did like it. I just – it wasn't for me, and I'm really curious. I really want to get into a conversation about the movie. So I just I just don't know when I'll have a chance to see it. I know. <laughs> it's the problem. I know. And, but... and like 
I will. I know that you will, and I'm... I'm guessing you like it, and it's not because for any other reason other than you get symbolism and you get kind of. I think you probably get Aronofsky more than My film language is very different than Pardon yours me? is. My film language is very different than yours is. Exactly, and like just, I like movies is. that are deep and have you know you really make you think. But this one, I just there were moments that I really liked, but not enough that it made me really love the movie. That's fair. Yeah. So. I'm glad to have seen it because it is definitely one. It is a very polarizing movie. It's just now I'm, I'm waiting for other people to see it too. No, oh, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a movie I think you will like. Okay. As long as you're down for a Korean. Sure. It is called Lucid Dream. I like it already. It came out in 2017, which means this could go on a Dave list if he hey. does really like it. Yeah. It also has a good chance of making mine. Okay. It is about an investigative journalist who seeks to track down the whereabouts of his son who was abducted three years ago. And he is going to do this with the help of a detective and a psychiatrist using a new technology that allows him to experience lucid dreams. Cool. So he goes back into his remembrance of his son being kidnapped to try and remember details to help narrow stuff down and then they kind of cross into other dreams and there's other people doing it and i I don't want to say too much because i don't want to spoil anything right but i had a i had a good time i enjoyed it okay is it also netflix Yes. Okay, great. It is also Netflix. Because that sounds like... I, I love the the concept of lucid dreaming. And, like, movies like Waking Life and Inception have really made... Like, it's not something that I want to investigate, but it's something that I... The, the idea of it is really cool. And so this... What a neat way to have a movie about lucid dreaming is to, to have as an investigative part of your, your world. I think that's a really neat concept. Yeah, like, it essentially... When it gets down to it, it is something of a crime thriller. Okay. With a sci-fi twist because you have this technology that allows you to go into dreams, but it's not the same as Inception at all. It is lucid right. dreaming. So. Yeah, like it, it's not, I, I, I wasn't trying to say that it's a parallel to Inception, just like the idea of lucid dreaming and just like, yeah, anyway. No, I know. I, a, I, I know. I just, I yeah. wanted to be clear for other sure. people as well. Right. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll definitely check that one out. And a rarity on my lists, that one is under two hours. Whoa. <laughs> that one is uber watchable at an hour and 40 minutes. Cool. Okay. Yeah. It. That's my, that's, that's the one I've been waiting to, to talk about. I, I saw it the day after it opened officially. Right. Uh, I found it was very I mean there's obviously a lot of differences from the book but it did a very good job of trying to stay true to the book as it could considering it has to cut I mean you could make four movies out of that book well they're gonna make two so pardon me yeah exactly but I mean like it's so thick I mean like you think about uh, uh, the Shawshank Redemption which was made out of a Stephen King novella like it, it his stuff is so dense that if you wanted to and you wanted to do everything as done by the book, you would have to make it even longer. Yeah. Um, they just don't have the time. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, um, me too. 
I found it stayed, like I said, it stayed true to the book as it could, considering they changed the time period and they've had to, to alter some things. There are some things that they changed that I didn't love, but it wasn't enough that it ruined it for me. I, I've had a, a number of conversations with people since it's come out. I phoned my friend Kelsey the next day because we both love the book and we had a half hour conversation about the movie and just the things that they left out and the things that they put in and the things that they changed and why it was still amazing and I was really really glad to have seen it um it was not as scary as I thought it was going to be but I don't even care because it was still very fun I think I think it was almost better because it wasn't scary Mm -hmm. like it it's it's scary yeah. And if you're if you have a problem with clowns, it's very scary. Certainly. <laughs> like, yeah, I get that, but I think it benefited a lot from the fact that it did take so much comedy. Yeah. And let the kids grow as characters. Yeah. Without that ever presence. Like it could have just been a whole bunch of jump scares and awkward and right? Like it Mhm. Mhm. Which would have been a mistake. I, I absolutely agree. And I think it could have been scary, but then we wouldn't have given as much of a damn about the characters as grown-ups. Exactly. Uh, thank you. That was essentially what I was trying to come up with, but could not because we've been that's, talking for a long time. That's kind of what I figured you were going for. I just wanted to make sure – I just wanted to articulate it. And that's exactly yeah. it is. It's going to be a two-part movie. And I was worried going into it that if I didn't like the first one, that I wouldn't want to see the second one. I liked it, and I loved the characters because you saw them as people, not just as vessels for horror. jump scares. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very well done, very enjoyable. Um, were, and how, are, definitely, how are your feelings on the... Oh, did you want to finish? Sorry. Well, I was just going to say definitely making me look forward to the, to the, to the second one when they're adults. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. What were your feelings on the use of CG? Because I've found there has been some complaining. Obviously, some of the hardcore horror side are grumpy about what we just talked about, about the fact that it wasn't super scary. So whatever, put them aside. They're never going to be happy unless it's essentially Friday the 13th or gore. Fine. But I have seen some complaining about the use of CG on Pennywise specifically. I, I was think wondering I know how some you of the moments felt. you're talking about, and it honestly didn't really phase me. Yeah, okay. I, I'm thinking specifically, and I don't want to spoil anything because it is so super new, but yeah. there is the, uh, what's the best way to, face yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I figured that's what you were going to talk about, and yeah. it, it, I didn't think it scared me, or I didn't think it, it phased me, I didn't think it, it ruined anything, I thought it was actually really well done. Yes, okay. I did yeah. too, I just, I've, I've been surprised... That I have been hearing that, especially around Zilla suit and stuff, where it's just like, oh man, the CG totally took me out, of, like the teeth and uh. No. Oh, okay, really? No, it didn't phase me in the least. Okay. I mean, I I understand that that movies have to use CG. That's the way that you can do a lot of those things, and I think it was the most effective way of accomplishing what they wanted to accomplish. And there wasn't that much. No, there like, really I didn't wasn't. Find it oppressive. It was just. No. Like, a lot of that is Bill Skarsgård, who yeah. was amazing as oh, Pennywise. He was so good. It was interesting. Just, I know we're we're running long here. I just want to say one more thing. Like, somebody else had seen it and said that Bill Skarsgård is no Tim Curry. And I, I thought, yeah, but right now Pennywise is not nearly as much of a player as he is in the second half. 
part, right? Like the second True. when they're adults, that's when he really comes in to his own. Yeah. But also, I appreciated that I can only imagine how much pressure Skarsgård was under to come in and make this character who was iconic, who Tim Curry played phenomenally, and make it your own. Yeah, And he exactly. did a very good job of doing that. He He found different nuances and he found his own way of playing this character who has already been done very well once. And yeah. so I thought he was very, very good at what he did. Last thing I will ask, and then I'll move on mm-hmm. to mine, because I did I left it for you because I know you're a bigger fan of the whole it mythos than I am. Because like mm-hmm. I read the book once when I was I don't know seventeen. Yeah, and then I haven't gone back or anything. So yeah, do you prefer this or the miniseries so far? So take the adult part of the miniseries out of it because that's the second mm-hmm. half. Do you prefer the kids? of the 90s or now i'm gonna say now but that's only because it's been a long time since i've seen the miniseries i stand by the fact that the only reason people like the original is because tim curry is so good the rest of it is not yeah and i i agree with that i mean there's some Somebody somebody posted something along the lines of who do you think should play the adults of this version's characters? Yeah, I and saw And somebody that. suggested that Seth Green should play Eddie, which huh. not Eddie, um Richie. Oh, that's and even like, better. Okay. <laughs> I was like that would be amazing because Seth Green did play Richie in the original. Like yeah. I think that would be a really really cool way of tying these two in. But that said, the miniseries is only okay. Tim Curry is great. There's oh, yeah. no no questioning how great Tim Curry is, but the rest of it is only okay. Yeah, exactly. The, the the child actors in this are all very good. Yeah, I don't know all their names, but the girl who played Beverly was tremendous, and the yes. kid who played Bill was good, and the like uh, Finn who played Richie was and Eddie like uh, Richie and Eddie, their relationship so killed me. Yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh, the, man. Very well done, and like, I don't know, they're 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 just heads and tails above what I remember the miniseries. And I think the reason why I don't know the miniseries as well is because I don't watch it that often because it's only okay. Yeah, and that's totally fair. So, yeah, I am very much looking forward to seeing it again in my own house. Mm, hmm. Oh, what am I saying? The first time I saw it was in my own house, but still, yeah. like, I'm to be able to have it and have yeah. access to it again. Yeah. So crank that volume and not worry about anybody else and just like really get entrenched in that world yes yeah i agree uh so the last film i'm gonna talk about Mm -hmm. is hidden figures okay i'm i that one's ringing a bell it was nominated for oscars last year okay and it is the story of the female african-american mathematicians who worked on the early years of the u.s space program Oh, yeah. Okay. With uh, Taraji P. Henson and Janelle Monet and yeah. Octavia Spencer and Kevin Costner's in it. Uh, Jim Parsons is in it. Mahershala Ali is in it. It's, man, it is so good. Is it? Yeah, it's real good. It's, I'm, I really want to see it, but I, I always forget, like, as soon as you said, it's like, okay, I know what that movie, I know I know that movie, but I don't know what movie it is. It's one of those ones where I feel like the title doesn't really tell you any, 
it doesn't tell you anything, but it does tell you everything. Yeah, it does. But it's just like, I don't, it's not enough to stick with me. So I'm like, oh, like it, to me, it would be like, oh yeah, there's that movie where they were working in the space program, but, and they weren't in the public eye. And that's how I'd be able to describe it. Yeah. I really would like to see that movie. It's on Netflix. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. It's the, the three women are wonderful in it. And this is one of those rare movies where I'm, it ran very well. The pace is good, but I think it, I would have been okay if it had been longer, if we could have spent more time with the other women. Oh, interesting. Because it does very much pour down on Catherine G. Johnson, which okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with who she is, but she did a lot of the math. She was a, essentially a computer before the computers. She's a math genius who worked okay. for NASA and essentially did like the entry vectors for John Glenn and all of that sort of stuff by hand. Jeez. So it, it really focuses on her and then the like racial tensions in NASA and society at the time and all of that sort of thing. Um, okay, yeah. And we get a little bit of time with Octavia Spencer, who plays Dorothy Vaughn, uh, who ends up running the IBM computer. Like, she's the programmer, and she teaches most of the other computers, the African-American women who worked at NASA at the time, who just did math problems a lot, to program the computer to make it run. Right. And, like, Mary Jackson was Janelle Monet, and she was one of the first African-American women to be an... Oh, I don't want to mess this up. It's like an electrical engineer or an aeronautical engineer, like a high-level engineer at NASA. Okay. And so it's the three of them together getting their promotions and like fighting through the prejudices at the time to be able to do what they can do. Cool. It's real good. Nice. Very cool. I will definitely try and check that one out too. The last three you mentioned are all on Netflix. I like the sounds of that. <laughs> that helps, doesn't it? It really does. We're at an hour. Do you do you have anything else to say? Oh, just for this section, we're at an hour. Uh, yeah. No, no, I'm okay. good. All right. Well, that's finally it. You, Mr. and Miss Internet, are the lifeblood of our podcast, and we just want to answer your questions or just have a good old chat. Do you want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at David Ron, that's Ron with two N's. Sean is at Sean Cord, that's Sean with a U, and we are at Guys from Podcast. You can email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com, Facebook us at the Guys From, or invent a game that is I that ideally is Japanese. If you can convince PlayStation to give it away for free, Sean will probably play it. Now, if you make sure that this game has some sort of animal in it, I guarantee you Sean will play it. It's it, if it's some sort of RPG, you can definitely have it ask Sean a question and he'll relay relay that to me cuz we all know he's the one who gets all the questions anyway. So, do that. Yeah. I feel I I'm in. Well, there you Heck, go. if it's good enough, I'll even pay for it. If you enjoy the guys from podcast, tell anyone you can any way you can. The best thing you can do to help us get the word out there about our long-winded ramblings about all sorts of things is to leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We are available essentially everywhere podcasts are found, including Stitcher, the Blueberry app, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, obviously. You name it, we are probably there. Hey, Dave, is there anything you wanted to plug? I mentioned it in passing uh, in the first part of the podcast, but I highly suggest you find Nightmares on Wax, Carboot Soul. It's an incredible down-tempo music, and it's got 
it's just great to chill to. I've listened to it while programming lights in an empty theater. I've listened to it as I've tried to sleep. It's versatile and just easy listening and very, very good. So I would suggest checking that out. Sean? On our website, www.theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting this podcast that we totally made shorter this time, right? (coughs) (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. We also write articles on things like music. That's indie music every weekday, throwback tracks every Thursday, gaming. Occasionally we review movies, we talk about The Simpsons, eventually some South Park maybe. Cool. And where can I find all that, Sean? www.theguysfrom.com. Oh, yeah. I mentioned it before, but if you're looking for more of a horror slant to what I do, check out at Zillasuit on Instagram or on Twitter, but I haven't really done much with that yet, so you're probably wasting your time. And as I always say on all of these things, when we talk about stuff like this, whenever we do lists, I always say, if there is something on here that you have not checked out that you think sounds dope, check it out. A lot of them are easy to find. Some of them are even free. Some of them are tied into your Netflix. Do it. Try something different. Watch a Korean movie. Do it. Watch a Korean movie. There's our tagline. Special thanks to The Sweets for our terrific opening music. Check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com. And, as usual, special thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our takeout music called Fearless First, as well as today's ad music called Fireflies and Stardust. This has been episode 188 of the Guys From Podcast. It's been going on so long I didn't come up with something for here. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Dave. Have a great week, everybody. The Guys From Podcast is brought to you in part by nothing but the throat lozenges we're probably both going to have to have or some nice, thick things to drink or maybe a little bit of honey and tea. I literally have a pocket full of halls right now. Yeah, that's uh, long podcasts.